Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Today we are speaking with Evan Robb. Evan values and practices the power of team, servant leadership, trust, passion, communication, collaboration, partnerships, and an understanding that everyone is better than anyone. He understands the power of his words and that they can be used for good. Words can lift people up and should not knock students or adults down. Evan has learned to listen with the intent to understand. Also, to understand that it is not what he does or how he does it that makes him effective. It is his ability to communicate why he does what he does. Mission, vision, purpose, and being part of a team require emotional connections. Leaders who communicate their why build the emotional connections that help make their environment great rather than good. Welcome, Evan. Rob, how are you? I am very good and really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you today. Well, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready to do it. All right. So, Evan, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership, what you're doing now, and how we can connect with you? My path to leadership was not a straight line. What I can say is uh, I grew up in a family where both of my parents were teachers. My mother was a middle school teacher. My father was a college professor. And I probably spent a good part of my younger life trying to push away from that. I saw my parents as educators and the typical of youngsters growing up, I wanted to do something different and didn't want to do that. Uh, So went through college, actually went through an MBA program uh, with a heavy focus on marketing and finance. At the end of that program, you know, to my parents' chagrin, because they had helped support me through the program, I decided that you know, I didn't want to be a um, consultant or work in the business world. I really wanted to be a teacher. And so they were happy, ultimately, to hear that. And okay. I went, went back to school, got some more courses, completed my teaching endorsement, was a teacher for six years, and then completed an additional degree at the University of Virginia and became an assistant principal, and I've been a principal ever since. So I have been a principal since 1999. That is pretty unusual in my field. Typically the turnover nowadays for principals is about three or four years. Mm. So I've been able to really enjoy the position. I have a great faculty, great community to work with, and the position has been very fulfilling. Mm. Tangential to being a full-time principal, I have um, done a fair amount of writing. I have written four books. Yeah, absolutely. Did I get any of your books? I, I don't know that you did. I can tell you titles. And then once we're done, you'll email me your address. I, gonna, I want them. Yes. I will send you some copies. Yes. Um, but my books have focused on principal leadership. My most recent one with Corwin is called The 10 Minute Principle, which is about using your time more effectively and how managing time can help you become a better leader. Also written a book called Schools Full of Readers with my mother big proponents of literacy, big proponents of reading and independent reading. And we wanted to share some ideas on how schools can create cultures of reading. Mm. Uh, Then additional book on teaming and how to be an effective team. I keep rather busy. And whenever I say all these 
other things that I have going on, people are always like, wow, you know, how do you have the time to do it? And my quick point is my children are grown. They are both grown out of the house and out of college. So right now it is my wife and we have a little West Highland Terrier named mm -hmm. Bailey. So I have a lot more time in my day than I had when our kids were younger. And I'm all about family first. And I wouldn't have been able to put this much time into other things that I'm interested in when we were raising our kids. Yeah, and certainly at the time of this interview, right, we're experiencing the global pandemic. I know it's definitely affected education. So tell us a bit about what's going on. Yeah, it's on. had a um, very quick and significant impact on education. In Virginia, we found out a couple weeks ago from where we are today, so this is potentially three or four weeks from when this recording goes out, that we were closing our school. And initially our closure was for about two weeks. And then we got news from the governor of Virginia that schools have been closed for the remainder of the school year. So that is very challenging on a lot of different fronts. On one hand, it's sad because myself and my teachers like going to school and like doing the work that we do. And we know our kids like being there too. And it's hard on families. And, you know, imagine, you know, if you're a high school senior and you're looking forward to prom and you're looking forward to graduation and a lot of those things, they're not going to happen or they're at least put on significant hold right now. So part of that process is just kind of going through a grief process of, wow, this is real, it's reality, and we need to work through that. And the other is orchestrating the conversion of a school from a physical standpoint. We have a middle school that has 480 kids and shifting into remote learning where learning opportunities can be provided by teachers in our building to families. We use a Google in our building, so via Google Classroom. So all of that stuff is happening now and appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. My day is wrapping up right now, but spending sometimes 10 to 14 hours a day in Google Hangouts and in lots of meetings to make sure that we are thinking this through and launching things in an effective way to provide what our kids deserve and what our parents expect. A lot of our listeners are educators and ed leaders. What are some takeaways that you can share with us during this time? You know, I'm still processing because I'm going through it. A couple things that I can say is it reinforces the value of communication and collaboration. At various times in people's leadership careers, they may have been uh, making decisions in a more insular way. They may have been not collaborating as much as they should. But what you learn when things are challenging is you have to work together as a team and problem solve and make sure that everyone understands what's going on. If you work in isolation, messages get lost and you know interpretation can be wrong. I think the other thing that you learn during this kind of period is you learn who the most capable people on your team are. People's capabilities don't always show when things are perfect. Uh, sometimes people's leadership and their capabilities shows when things are challenging. I and mean, it is interesting to see on my team, you know, the people that are really able to step up, execute, contribute, and be a real driving force in helping to complete the things that we need to complete. I'm sure now you have time for another book, right? Maybe? I Maybe? am not working on another book as we speak, <laughs> but I'm sure I'll think of another one. You know, I, I need to be inspired to write. And right now I'm spending some time, even though I'm in the heat of the moment here, in trying to understand the changes that we're going through, how people respond to change, and how this can be captured once we end up coming back to school or, or businesses go back to business, if that can be a catalyst for quicker change. So I don't wanna go off on a tangent, but what I will say, whether it's in education or businesses, people typically respond to change in three ways. They either resist it, that's either you know actively resist it, or subtly they sit on the fence, 
or they're just really excited about it. With what's happened with closures and the um, rapid pace of things shutting down with COVID-19, people don't have the opportunity to resist this change. You know, people don't have the opportunity to sit on a fence. People need to do. So mm-hmm. what's happening is you know, the people that were always excited about change on my team, they're doing it. But some people that might have been a little bit more hesitant to change, they're doing it now too. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping what they're finding is that they can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I think when this is done and we move back to more normalcy, I'm hoping that changes their thinking about how they react to change. And this can be ultimately a strong learning experience as we want to make swifter changes in education into the future. So do you think it'll go back to normal or will there be a new normal? There's going to be a new normal. I'd like to believe that out of everything, no matter how tragic it is, something good can come out of it. But it is really hard especially with the amount of hygiene that people are applying to their daily lives right now. You know, I have never in my life had groceries delivered to my front porch and then stood out there with my wife with rubber gloves on and hand wipes and wiped down my groceries before we put them into our house. If you had asked me three months ago, is that something I would do? would laugh and say it's something from a science fiction movie. But I'm doing it now and a lot of other people are doing it too. And I think that that's going to be so impactful and strong on people that some of those things are not going to go away. So you're right. I think there's a new normal that'll come. I don't know what it is, but I look forward to getting into a better place than where we are right now. So what are some resources, some quotes, or some advice that has helped you through this crisis? You know, one of the quotes that I'd like to share is a quote that I read recently from Stephen Covey. And what it is, is effective leadership is putting first things first. Effective management is discipline and carrying it out. And the reason that that quote kind of means something to me now is part of my job is typically to be very reflective, very thoughtful, very collaborative, and sometimes moving a little slower. Education is a little bit different than business. I don't have to make a decision on a product that's going to be sold to the public and want to get it out really quickly. A lot of my decisions, um, I can sometimes have months to make, and sometimes they don't even come to fruition for months or even sometimes up to a year. So I have to make quick decisions now. And so it makes me think about this quality of leadership, which is you know, the inspirational part of leadership and being able to prioritize and hopefully collaboratively make good decisions that empower others and are good for the team. But I also need to understand that right now I'm in a time that execution and carrying things out is very important. That requires discipline. And it requires a lot of focus. And in the case of today, for me, it requires doing all of those things in ways that I don't typically do it. So doing it through a Zoom meeting or doing it through a Google Hangout. You know, I use those technologies once in a while, but they are absolutely, you know, not part of my day in and day out process. It's balancing, you know, thinking about the big picture, thinking about the here and now, but finding that discipline within yourself and within members of your team to be able to troubleshoot, to think about anticipated consequences, to think about unanticipated consequences. And in the case of where I am now, sometimes make really quick decisions. Mm -hmm. And so as leaders, how can we develop discipline? I think that you have to have some type of strategy to do that. So you need to be able to prioritize and put the first things first. So in general, and and I don't want to be um, broad sweeping with this, but sometimes people who are a little more concrete, sequential with their thinking Um, can be a little bit more disciplined because they tend to think things a little more linear. And linear is not necessarily a great way to create wonderful vision and inspiration, but it can be a way to methodically move through things. 
know, people that are really, really abstract, random in their thinking can have a tough time sometimes getting things prioritized and then in turn a tough time kind of carrying it through if they need to carry it through really quickly. So for me, what I do is, you know, I like to work with my team and brainstorm and come up with lists of where we are right now, where we need to be in a week, where we need to be in two weeks, and then kind of break that down and say, who's going to do what? How are we going to collaborate? How are we going to communicate? And then we set checkpoints to make sure that things are done at a certain time along the way. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am right now. I will say that it is different than I typically do things on a day in and day out basis. It is challenging, but so far that's been working pretty well for my team. And as a leader, especially during this time, do you have a go-to person or people? Yes, I do. And how important um, is that? It is critical. One of the things that I like to bring into any school that I work in is I want to make sure that I am surrounding myself with really, really good people. So I will do everything that I can do, you know, in terms of attractive salaries or, you know, and other things that we can offer to get the absolute best people around me because mm. my effectiveness is absolutely related to having great people around me. I also think that it's important to have enough trust with a small circle of people who can tell you that you're wrong. Yes. I need people to be yes. able to do that. You know, I don't want people around me who just agree with everything that I say. You know, sometimes I think I hit the ball right and sometimes I think I hit it wrong. But I am fortunate to have several people around me who will tell me if mm. they think the directionality is not the right way to go. And mm. that's part of trust and that's part of relationships. Those are foundational to leadership. They're needed when things are really good, but they are really needed during challenging times. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're open to that feedback and that's critical for leadership. Now, many use the term lifelong learner. What does that mean to you and what are you learning right now? It is one of the most important things to become effective at whatever it is that you do. It's certainly not relegated to school leadership. It probably has to do with every profession that someone goes into. So, you know, there's the formal learning that we do in school. You go to high school, you go to college, grad school, whatever kind of path that is. But then there's the personal learning that you partake, you know, to help build your capacity and help build the capacity of your organization. So in education, you know, it's referred to as agency, which is, you know, you taking responsibility for things that you're interested in and your professional growth. And it's very important in education because there needs to be some really good parallelism between what the leader communicates and models and how that carries over with people that work on the team. So ideally you wanna have a leader who really believes in professional development, increasing their agency, they read, they learn, and they talk about it. And that will hopefully be emulated by people who are on the team because they see, in this case, the leader of the building doing that. Where it gets a little choppy is if the leader talks a lot about professional growth and agency, but their actions don't demonstrate it at all. You know, and part of leadership is this congruency between what you say and what you do. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Want to become the type of leader that others want to follow? Whether you just started your leadership journey or you've been at it for a while, the Master Leadership Journal will take you through this important process. Heck, it could even prepare you for an interview on this podcast. And for a limited time, you can get it for free with discount code CONNECT2020, no spaces, at checkout. So go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ and put in discount code 
Connect 2020 at checkout and get instant access to the Master Leadership Journal. So what am I reading right now? Lately, I've been reading several books by Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek is someone who I've been extremely interested in for many, many years. His TEDx talk is fantastic. Uh, he has a book called Getting to the Why that is a really good book. It helps you think about and explore why you do what you do. And that's important as you go through times when you have to make decisions that are very, very quick. He says something interesting in his book. So he says that someone's why doesn't change as they go through life. So it's not different from when you're a younger person to when you're older. Your circumstances can change, but who you are and what you believe in is consistent. You're making sure that your decisions are parallel and in congruence with what you believe. Mm -hmm. And when you have to make quick decisions, sometimes you have to come back to some core kind of things, like what do you believe? So as schools are working on remote learning, you know, I'd like to think that educators across the country believe that it is incredibly important and it's a responsibility to carry on education for the youth of America and the youth of the world. You know, how do we do that? How do we orchestrate that is where the conversation needs to be. The other book that I've read recently is Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers, which I think is a particularly interesting book. He talks about this concept of 10,000 hours in that book that takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. And he gives really good examples. I'm particularly keen on the example he gives in his book, um, how the Beatles were as a band in the early 1960s and how they hit this culminating point at or around spring of 1967 when they released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Arts Club Band. So at that point, they'd been together enough to have practiced and worked together for an equivalent of at least 10,000 hours. And so if you apply that to education or to business, it takes time to become good at something. And I think that's an important thing for people to think about and to internalize and realize that becoming good at something overnight doesn't necessarily happen. So where I am right now with my personal learning is focusing on this bigger thing of developing people within my team, getting them the experiences that they need to become experts at what they do, also focusing in on why we do what we do, because right now I'm in a time that decisions need to be made, as I said, quicker Mm -hmm. than we normally make them. You know, I love that you talk about developing people because when Simon Sinek talks about finding your why, I always think about we have to find who we are first. Absolutely. And a lot of people don't know that. Like, who are you and what do you want? Yeah, that's really important. You can't lead someone if you don't know who you are and what you believe in. You have to know those things. And um, yes, and that does resonate through his work. There's no doubt about it. You know, and I, I think from listening to you and understanding some of your philosophy, you know, you would agree that part of the responsibility of leadership is not only empowering others, but lifting others, letting people develop the capacities that are within them Mm -hmm. and letting them grow. And sometimes that means letting them go too, because they're ready for bigger and better challenges. You know, I'm very curious because not everybody who is in education or has a leadership position in education has an MBA. What are some perspectives that you bring that are different because you think differently. Thank you. You know, the the MBA program teaches you how to work as a team and with a lot of focus on problem solving, you know, as a team of adults looking at some sort of business problem. But it also teaches you a lot of discipline to be very methodical and very careful and precise with your thinking. And of course, it teaches you how to manage money and those kind of things. But the preciseness is probably the piece that has helped me the most from that program. Uh, parts of my job I have to be very meticulous with, I have to be very careful, 
and we talked a few minutes ago about what needs to be in place for people to prioritize and manage things really quickly. And being able to be concrete sequential at times is very good. I think living in that pocket all the time is not good and can be stifling for someone who's in a leadership position, but being able to have that skill and tap into that skill at certain points that you need to for your job is good. Mm -hmm. So it helped out a lot with that. Being meticulous, being careful. I think about words. You know, we have to be really careful with our words. Words matter. We've been using lately the term social distancing, and I get that we have to do that. We've been practicing it. But it concerns me that we use that term social distancing because that can go deep. When this is over, are we going to continue social distancing? And what I propose, what I put forth is that we use the term physical distancing. What do you think? I couldn't agree more. Right now, there are different ways to connect in in ways that I have in the past. Of course, you and I are connecting through a link on the internet right now. And that's how we would connect because I live more than several hours away from you. But many people are using this medium that we're communicating on right now to communicate with people who they would normally have dinner with or normally spend time with. I'd like to think that that is part of what we are experiencing that will not carry over when this is finished. People need to connect and human beings naturally like to connect. I think the physical distancing is a term that I much prefer when I talk about the precautions that I need to take as a husband and as a father right now. It is really, really different to walk down the street. I live in a small town and see someone who I've known for 20 years walking towards me and, you know, they quickly run across the street. Right. And then they want to say hi across the street. And that's okay. Like, I understand that. And that's probably the right thing to do. But I can stay in that pocket for a couple months, but I'll be very optimistic that that's not going to be a definer of our future. That's something that I think we need to really think about and start working on it. You know, at least we're saying hi. At least we're not just passing each other with fear. And so I think about this. Yeah, I do too. You know, but you know, I also understand, as I'm sure you do too, that there's a lot of fear you know, yeah, that people yeah. have. Initially, and I can speak for myself, you know, when I heard about this on the news, I believed that it was more uh, likely to impact, and I, of course, don't want it to impact anyone ever. Right. The likelihood of impact was with people who were immunocompromised or people who were older, potentially just in poor health. But what we've quickly learned is that that is not the case. You know, this is impacting many, many people, many different ages, and it is changing people's lives. You know, I think right now, following the expectations of our governors and making sure that the people have some physical distance and making sure that hygiene is as extreme as it can be is very, very important. I'm hopeful that that's the quickest route. We're hopeful. And so, Evan, when you think about leadership today, What most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What most concerns me, it's complicated. I think part of that would be people who seek out those positions for the wrong reasons. You know, whether it's their personal insecurities, whether it's money, or whether it's an opportunity to assert power over other people. I think some other things that are wrong within leadership are, I've seen some people rise to leadership positions that are quite high where I question their leadership skills. I like to see people go into leadership positions you know, for good reasons, to help people, to build capacity, to inspire, to create positive change, whether that's impactful change in education or, or change in society. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a school principal. I have to be hopeful. You know, I'm hopeful for every child that's in our building. 
I make a choice every day to choose optimism and positivity. And, you know, as we were talking earlier in the podcast, and I said that leadership is a lot more challenging during tough times than really good times. The tough times show the character of people. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say that you're a positive, optimistic person when everything in your life is good. Right, right. When you're healthy, when work is good, you know, your stock portfolio looks great. It's much more challenging to choose that when things are hard. So, you know, I remain hopeful that people that are in leadership positions and people who are making decisions far, far bigger than the decisions that I make are really pulling on those skills, working with a team and trying to make sure that they are communicating and sending hope and optimism to people because a world without hope is not a good world and leaders have a responsibility, I believe, to help communicate hope. Yes. Now, Evan, as a listener of this podcast, what are some questions that you would like future leadership guests to respond to? During the next couple of months, I'm particularly interested and like to listen to people's strategies of handling the need to make decisions very, very quickly in a very, very dynamic environment. We're probably in the most extreme dynamic environment that many of us have ever been in and hopefully ever will be again. So you know, I'm interested in how people are managing that. You know, there's certain businesses where people definitely have to make quick decisions all the time. So maybe people that work on Wall Street and things like that. Mm-hmm. But other people that are in leadership positions you know, make decisions slower, particularly, you know, as I give the example as a principal in a school. Yes, in education, certainly we move a little slower. We do. I mean, you know, there's some decisions that you make quick. I mean, and I don't want to trivialize that. Clearly, I'll make a decision in the morning if we're going to do a fire drill. But decisions about curriculum, decisions about staffing, decisions about budgeting, mm-hmm. sometimes it is a slower pathway. And I am always interested in how people are empowering and helping to build leadership capacity with people that they work with. We're going to ask our next guest to respond to your questions. So that's, oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. So did we talk about where we can get your books? Yeah. The easiest way to get my books is just to put my name into Amazon and just search Evan Rob and the four books that I've written will be there. And the easiest way for me to get it is to just ask you. Email me your address yes. when in time I can. I promise to. Uh, fantastic. I love books. <laughs> All right. So, Evan, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, if you'd like to connect with me or something that I said resonates or is interesting to you, encourage you to follow me on Twitter. I am at Erob Principal on Twitter, capital E, capital O. R-O-B-B, capital P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L. So E-Rob Principal. Yeah, I'm very active on there. So, you know, I like to connect with people and I really enjoy. So if you'd like to connect with me, we can connect that way. Um, You can also connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm active on those mediums too by just searching my name. And I do have a website, robcommunications.com, where I try to hub everything that I'm doing on that website. And so if someone is interested in reading some articles that I've done or watching my TED talk, you can find all of that on that website. Evan, thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It has been an absolute pleasure spending time with you. And thanks for the opportunity to share some of my ideas on leadership with you. Stay safe. Bye-bye. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. 
Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.